0: Hello, and welcome to Care Campaign for the Vulnerable's podcast. Let's talk about elderly care. Today, I'll have the pleasure to talk to Ben Wilson from Care Protect. But first, I'd like to tell you a little bit about why I founded Care Campaign for the Vulnerable. Probably like most people, I had never really thought much about the dementia care sector until my mother's early onset dementia reached a point when professional help was necessary. I had naively thought that by a definition a care home would provide good care much in the same way a car sales business would sell you a car or a school would provide your children with an education. It was therefore a shock to find that when my mother needed care that my experience of such and the experience of many others as I subsequently confirmed was at best adequate and at worst negligent. Care homes do provide services that meet and exceed family expectations and I've learned that by the work we do here at Care Campaign. But I've also been aware that many do not. Care may mean different things to different people but for all of us, I suspect the bare minimum would include respect, dignity, choice, and a place of safety for our vulnerable loved ones. However, it does seem not all care providers got that memo. Subsequently, I found that my own loved one experience fell well short of even those basic expectations. At times, she wasn't well presented, her nutrition was poor, she didn't have real opportunity to exercise any choice and certainly faced moments of unacceptable risk that resulted in avoidable incidents and injury. As her advocate, I naturally raised concerns in an effort to improve her care experience. Yet the provider response was one of consistently over-promising but underdelivering, and to the point where I was asked to remove my mother from her home. I don't believe my expectations were too high, and I don't believe I acted any differently from other families who expressed concerns about care delivery, yet I was made to feel that if I continued raising these concerns, pretty much because they weren't addressed, then there would be a consequence to that. The really sad aspect of my experience was that very many other vulnerable residents had no advocate to represent them or to speak up. So to me, they were in an oppressive and unkind environment without representation. And that's why I started Care Campaign for the Vulnerable. And that is why we are calling for safety monitoring systems in care homes. Such systems would expose appalling care. It would eradicate the unexplained injury plague that seems to feature at many care locations It would provide hard evidence when an incident did occur and it would create a much more transparent relationship between the care providers and the relatives. After all, families simply want to know for certain that their loved one is safe, respected and well cared for. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Ben Wilson, the Development Director at CareProtect. Ben is very much for safety monitoring And I would like to say it's a huge pleasure to welcome you, Ben, today on Care Campaign for the Vulnerables' very first podcast, Let's Talk About Elderly Care.
1: Oh, hi, Jane. I'm really happy to be your first guest and I look forward to talking about it. It's really nice to hear you speaking so passionately about your experiences and about the sector as well.
0: Well, I think it's really important, isn't it, Ben, because I'd like you, first of all, to Explain what Care Protect
1: and what you do. Okay, well, in a former life, and I suppose to some extent we still do own and operate a small group of care homes, and this is why, and part of the reason why we developed Care Protect as a separate business was because we wanted to have a much clearer idea of what was going on. So, in an essence, we install cameras in care homes and in communal areas, and very often in resident bedrooms as well, but that's a separate subject, and that is a whole consent process around activation of bedroom cameras, etc. But off site, we have a team of nurses, and that team of nurses can review incidents or allegations and assist on site staff with reducing the administrative burden around that, looking through hours of footage. And that is our business at the moment, but we provide a number of different systems. We provide standard CCTV systems that we can give the providers access to themselves. So they're self-managing that process. They're able to review all their own incidents. We provide the platform and the assistance when they need it. Or we can go right through to 24-hour monitored systems where we literally have a team of nurses monitoring high-risk areas 24 hours a day.
0: Do you know, Ben, I think the work that you do at CareProCheck is extremely important. I've known yourself and Care Protect for a while now, and there was contact when I first set up Care Campaign because it's so important to understand the different systems that are out there. I mean, for one, I talk very much about the positives of having safety monitoring, but it's an all different board game when you're sort of talking about the different (laughs) systems out there. And it's really interesting what you say because you can have the safety monitoring where you can have it independently monitored so the care provider is confident that if any incident or accident happens, that that will be forwarded to them by an independent monitor. Is that correct?
1: That's right, yes. So the nurses who would be reviewing that footage sit outside of their organisation. So I suppose it's a lot more of a transparent process then when you have that independent report from a licensed individual.
0: And how do you feel when you talk to these care providers? Do you find that they are more positive about the independent monitoring or do they want to do it themselves?
1: That's a strange and a bottomless question because I suppose there's a vast range of discussions I've had since we started this business. You know, And I think, to be fair, some providers welcome the independence whilst others prefer to almost keep it in-house for various reasons. And I suppose keeping it in-house, as well as being a cheaper option, allows them to follow their own internal processes as they would as if it was an incident had been raised and safeguarded. And they've done their internal investigations, but only this time they have hard video evidence to support the incident or allegation. And very often, in fact, that it can't be argued with a lot of the time. Things can be often misinterpreted, but very, very rarely. So it's hard to argue with that. But yes, yeah, like I say, some providers really welcome the idea of an independent. And in fact, they welcome it because even commercially, it allows them some freedom to focus on that hands on care, whilst knowing that another healthcare professional is able to assist with observations, certainly not replace them, but can very often assist them.
0: You know, Ben, I talk to families about safety monitoring, and many families sadly do come to care campaign for the vulnerable and they report unwitnessed incidents to loved ones I deal with many cases where this is brought to our attention and they often say that when they raise the question of having safety monitoring in their loved one's room many not having consent because predominantly many families that come to us are concerned because loved ones have dementia or some form of cognitive impairment. So they don't have capacity to make that decision. But for those families out there that are saying, well, you know, this is all very well and good. And obviously those providers that are willing and open to having safety monitoring, what would you say to the families that say, but When I go to my mother or my father, grandparents' provider, they're not that forthcoming. And in fact, I've had a couple that's actually been given notice by even suggesting safety monitoring. What would you say to them, Ben?
1: Well, I would be very wary of why the providers are flat out refusing. Because if they're confident in the service and they're confident in their staff, there really is nothing to hide and there should be no fear around the use of cameras. And in fact, cameras can very often identify very, very positive practice and vindicate staff on a number of occasions of an allegation from either a resident or family member. So there really is nothing to hide off. And I think, you know, really going back to sort of the George Orwell 1984 novel, this whole big brother idea very often scares people. But I must stress, you cannot put a camera in a bedroom Certainly an organization such as ourselves without the appropriate compliance documentation and consent documentation in place. So there is a very, very strict legal framework that we need to operate in, in order to do this installation legally and fairly. Certainly when you're looking at the European Convention on Human Rights, we have Article 5 and Article 8. We need to ensure that we're doing everything in our power to allow the resident to have, and family, to have private time together and the dignity they deserve. Whilst also monitoring anything that would be of concern, you can even use cameras as falls monitors and falls detection and allowing us to reduce risk around falls. So it's not just about abuse. In fact, it very, very often is not about abuse. It's about other things. Training needs identified, that kind of thing as well.
0: I really do agree with that because we receive many messages that come in from care staff as well, Ben. And the care staff often say that, they're often sometimes accused wrongly of incidents and accidents that may happen. And we get so many distressed carers that say, you know, we really would welcome safety monitoring. Because I think you'd agree, and again, you know, this is something we deal with, is that carers... They can be suspended wrongly as well, while a very lengthy and costly investigation goes on. So you would actually think it would be in a care provider's best interest to actually install safety monitoring, to save resources as well, to save very expensive suspensions. And we do deal a lot with families that say that they want these unwitnessed injuries that do happen that could be very innocently sustained. But it's the element of doubt, isn't it, then? It's of course. the element of doubt. Yeah. So what other things do you do to protect? Is it just purely monitoring?
1: We can do anything. And I suppose just to touch on your last point there, it is about protecting residents. And as you say, when there's an allegation made Particularly of a sexual nature or of a very serious nature, because we operate in CAMS, so child and adolescent mental health services as well. And as you can imagine, they're very, very vulnerable children in these services. And if an allegation is made against the member staff, we must investigate that. You know, regardless of how many times this allegation is made, we must ensure that we follow the processes and investigate this. So, yes, there are staff suspensions. So it does impact commercially and certainly even on that member staff. But we mustn't forget. As this member of staff has been suspended, we very, very often have agency staff coming in, and there's nothing against agency staff at all, but very often an unfamiliar face can really affect the health and happiness of the resident themselves or the service user. So that's very important to remember as well. But then moving on into your second point, so at this moment in time, for example, we're making use of a lot of thermal technology, and we've used acoustic technology in the past, you know, for monitoring bathroom areas for nighttime checks or bathroom alerts to make staff aware when someone gets up at night where maybe pressure pads and that aren't quite as effective or appropriate for a a resident or patient but thermal imaging at the moment certainly in terms of fever detection has been very widely distributed and used now certainly even outside of the care sector where we can hook up thermal or fever detection cameras up to facial recognition systems for staff and visitors when they arrive at a building and that again can be connected to access control so the individual must be both authorized and displaying non-COVID type symptoms so there is a, a huge range of different camera technologies available now that can be implemented across different sectors.
0: That's really interesting and you're touching on COVID as well we have received an unprecedented amount of messages from families and care workers at Care Campaign for the Vulnerable, really worried about lack of visitation with families. So I guess the thermal imaging, that's really going to be important, isn't it, to allow families to get back together again?
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's one step. but As we all know, an individual can have a viral infection without displaying a high temperature. So it's not 100% effective, but anything we can do to reduce the risk certainly is a very positive step. And I've seen some care homes really, really going above and beyond. Even recently, Wellburn Care, I've seen their visitation pods where the family and the resident can actually sit in a separate area whilst still being isolated between, you know, a glass or Perspex, and it's set out like a living area. So, some providers are doing a really, really great job at making that a comfortable and as close to normal process as possible. But yet, fever detection now, certainly along the government guidelines of making facilities and COVID secure, it is a, a huge step forward and it really has been quite useful.
0: You know, Ben, you've spoken about Wellburn care, and we're very familiar with Wellburn and very positively as well. You know, you do get these providers, and I know them, that operate so conscience-led, and they work really hard to implement transparency and openness and to to really do what's best for the residents. And I know that when you get providers like that, but then you can go to the providers where we get messages in saying that they're not allowing visitation. And it's been like three months since loved ones have actually seen their relatives. And I am concerned about this. And this is something that we get too frequently, probably more frequently than than I would like. And what would you say to those providers that are saying that because of safety, which is vital, we're not going to say it isn't, but there are ways. You see, Wellburn Care. You see, Bramley Court. You see, you know, you do see these care homes hallmark. You know, they're all sort of trying their best to really implement revisitation it's safely. But, but to do this, what would you say to those providers? And then they are out there, of course, that are closing the doors and not even trying to bring families together.
1: I know there can be reasons. You know. I know a few care homes locally who've done exactly that. I live quite local to the home you just mentioned. They're operated by Zest, or so Brownlee Court. Again, they've done a similar thing to Melbourne, so it, that, that's working great. But some homes, they might use financial constraints as an excuse, but really these things can be done by just thinking outside the box a little bit. And very often it's just fear. It may be a fear factor from the owners. They don't want to take a step wrong because you know how tightly regulated the sector is and you know our regulators and commissioning bodies really would almost jump down someone's throat for trying to use a bit of initiative and it went wrong so people sometimes are afraid to be innovative in that sense and I suppose the same was true about cameras a little while ago people were afraid to start taking the steps because they felt they'd be criticized or maybe negatively impacted on their performance or outcomes but It just takes some outside-the-box thinking and learning from others. And, And these groups that are doing this are sharing it on social media. And if I was an owner of a small group of homes, I would be trying to implement similar ideas. And I understand that there's both size and space and finance are all involved. You know, We don't have the space to do something like this. I'm sure you can do it somewhere else or try and just at least make the effort. I mean, like you said, One thing to do is screening the visitors. So we we should really be opening doors now. And I understand there's a very vulnerable group of people in this home. But using correct infection control protocols, as well as screening every person coming into that home and using correct PPE, there's no reason why anything should happen negatively. Families can spend some quality time together again. And and it does affect people, particularly isolated um, older adults in these homes. You know, we saw one. In Northern Ireland, actually, I think it was Three Rivers Care Home and others, Est Home and Oma. And they had a drive through visiting session where the residents come and sat in the car park. And we actually, families drove around in the cars. And I had like a drive through visiting session, which was really nice to it's see, actually. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, those are the outside the box thinking that, that really didn't cost much, but it made a huge
0: difference. I think that's the point, then I think it does make such a big difference to families that have spent by and large probably over three months apart, so I think any care provider that, like you said quite rightly, thinks outside the box and it's done safely and correctly, then you know I think any opportunity to get families reunited safely is the right thing to do. I want to touch on the fact that when you go into these providers to champion safety monitoring what's the best response you've had from a provider not to have safety monitoring? (laughs) Not to have it?
1: (laughs) We get the regular ones along human rights and privacy but they haven't really given the chance for us to explain the system and the steps we've taken to actually promote human rights. You know there are redaction features on cameras now. There are motion detection. There's artificial intelligence built into these cameras. So there are a huge amount of steps that can be taken to promote privacy whilst still monitoring the quality of care and the safety of that resident. I'm really struggling to think of a very innovative reason why they can't <laughs> put cameras, and they're very often boring and benign ideas. You know, same old, same old. A lot of providers would say no. We'll try and do it ourselves. In a way, I commend them with that. But you can go wrong very easily. You know, we've seen that before. And rightly, they've wanted to keep it in-house. They've developed the systems internally. But unless you're bang on the money with your compliance, you will be crucified by CQC.
0: Well, I think that's a, a fair comment because we have a lot of providers actually counter care campaign for the vulnerable, knowing that we champion and support safety monitoring. And they actually say that they do get a lot of criticism from the CQC inspector at that service that comes in and actually visualizes that they've got safety monitoring. What would you say? And, you know, I want to be mindful that we're going to respect all authorities. But what would you say to the CQC? And they've been quite open, Ben, in saying that they only agree with case by case. Of course. My view to that as somebody that completely promotes safety monitoring and care is the fact that case by case, do you think that's a bit of a cop out?
1: Yes, of course we can't blanket approach everyone. And and I know recently even from the outcome of your petition was we don't agree with a blanket approach, but we agree on a case by case basis it should be looked at. But I don't know any care home that doesn't have unwitnessed falls there will always be an unwitnessed incident at some point or another regardless of how thorough your investigation process is there are a lot of assumptions that can be made and very often it can be a simple fix and that simple fix will be identified by using some form of visual monitoring and also i think people assume that when a camera is on it's just on indefinitely we need to review these things on a weekly or a daily or a monthly basis so Whilst an individual maybe is a high risk of falls in a care home, the cameras may be activated to look at what's causing this. Can we reduce the risk by perhaps moving furniture? Are some of the processes that we've put in place actually exacerbating the problem? The cameras again may be able to assist with this. What sort of staff response are we getting? What sort of response time? What manual Mm -hmm. handling techniques are they using? Are they appropriate, proportionate, all of the above? So they can be used for a multitude of different things.
0: Well, I agree. And I've had many meetings with CQC, as you know. And I always get frustrated with the response that they say. And hidden cameras is something, and I don't know whether you've seen on our website then, but we've just recently done a case study where many families have come to us over the, the last year and they have forwarded on horrific images of unwitnessed injuries. I mean, they're truly heartbreaking. And, you know, some of these families lost loved ones not even knowing how they died.
1: I know. It it is appalling. It is. We know sometimes that families are very, very passionately involved in this care, particularly because it's a loved one. But sometimes as well, families don't understand the inner workings of the home, you know. So yes, an injury may have occurred and I understand the frustration because it is an unwitnessed incident and very often there will be on the incident report, we find Mr. or Mrs. with a a laceration. We don't actually know how it happened. There's nothing that that particular care home could do about that at that time. They will put procedures, policies in place to try and reduce the risk of that happening again. But even just giving the family peace of mind, knowing how that happened, knowing what happened to their loved one before, and knowing where the accountability lies for this happening using visual technology or visual monitoring, I think it really would give families peace of mind. Even something trivial to some people, but very important to others, would be did mom or dad have their favourite meal in their bedroom last night? Did they have their favourite pyjamas on on Friday night? Did they get their slippers on when they get out of bed? Small things like this, again, can very often put families' minds at ease just by spending five minutes showing them the sort of proof, for want of a better word, that these things were done.
0: Do you think so, Ben? But do you actually think, and I'm going to play devil's advocate here, do you actually think that some providers, and I'm not going to say all, but some providers would look at that and say, why would we want cameras in care homes? We're under pressure enough to perform. Mm -hmm. And if we're not actually going in with Auntie May's chocolate pudding, or we're not giving Uncle John his Rice Krispies, is that going to be another pressure? And I say that as someone that really advocates and, Mm -hmm. and wants to see mandatory safety monitoring. But do you think that could be a reason that
1: They don't want to open the floodgates? No, I 100% think that that is a reason for some people not wanting cameras to be put in and the worry of that increased burden on, you know, we need to see this, we need to see that. But we must remember as well that we need to take the capacity of the resident into consideration for this particular example. But does the resident actually consent to the family seeing this footage? Because the resident owns this footage. That individual owns this data. And only really if there's an extenuating circumstance or real rationale or the resident's given consent can the family sit down and do this footage. So, yes, the idea of that may be quite terrifying to some providers, but we must take into account the privacy of the resident as well. And very often, it's sad to say, but families contribute to the problems you know, around the welfare of that resident. And there there is the odd occasion where we have found that family members may be the problem. And I must say that very, very rarely. But at the end of the day, the system is there to protect the service user or the resident patient.
0: Well, I do agree with you. And I think that's a valid point. But I think unless you have loved ones in care, and I say particularly loved ones with dementia, because I speak to so many families that have loved ones with dementia that can't speak out or can't speak up and they're pretty much their advocate you know they're pretty much their voice then so I suppose a lot of them do go that extra mile to really want to see them have a good quality of life but I do understand where you're coming from on that so I could really talk all night then because talking about this subject is really close to my heart. But before I do go, I would like you to just explain a little bit why you feel care providers should now adopt safety monitoring.
1: We've been talking about safety monitoring for a long time. I don't know what it would take really for providers to really think, do you know what? This is a great idea. I don't know what more proof we need. You know, a regulator has published guidance on it. You know, they're not saying we endorse cameras, but they've published guidance, meaning that that's not a flat out no. We've done polls, public, staff, um, families and staff, or the majority of both of those groups are in favor of the installation of cameras and care homes. And I think if you were to sit down with most owners and really highlight how the systems work, I think it would really change their mind. And Sometimes ignorance really comes into play here where they're either not willing to hear a little bit more about it or they think it's going to be too expensive. But it's none of those things. I mean, you can put now a fully installed camera system in a care home for ten pounds per week per camera with no capital costs. So you know, it's not an expensive thing to do to have a monitored camera system, but sometimes people imagine it's gonna just cost 30 grand up front but it doesn't so there think, really isn't think, an excuse
0: exactly I think there's many myths to safety monitoring and I think it's really important and thank you Ben Wilson from Care Protect for actually dispelling some of those myths today <laughs>
1: we, we do try
0: <laughs> Ben Wilson from Care Protect can I say thank you so much for joining us today it's been an absolute privilege
1: that's super thank you very much Jane it was a an enjoyable chat
0: thank you Bye-bye. bye 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 right i would just like to say it was a complete pleasure to talk to ben wilson and ben is from care protect he's the development director and i would just like to say that i'm so so thrilled for everyone that's joined us to listen to our conversation and we look forward to talking to you On our next podcast, and that's Let's Talk About Elderly Care. Goodbye.